Today on The Topping Show, Trump visits the chemical spill in East Palestine, Ohio, while Biden visits the Ukraine, the IRS increases their attempts to tax tips, and IT layoffs continue. All that and much, much more on The Topping Show. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in today. Today's episode of The Topping Show is proudly sponsored by ExpressVPN and Topping Technologies. ExpressVPN helps protect your online data, and Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. If you're an IT business leader or a business owner, you can reach them at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Jumping to the business part of the podcast, Intel announced they're going to cut their dividends by 66%. This is down, now it's down to only 50 cents a share, which is terrible news for shareholders and prospective investors, since a lot of people buy stocks based on the fact that a company is going to pay a dividend, and a lot of people retain stock ownership because they're getting incentives to do so, because they're constantly getting dividends, either quarterly or yearly, in many cases. And it's one of those situations where Intel's been struggling for a couple of years, partially because of AMD, and they just can't fend off the AMD growth, also known as advanced micro devices. Now, AMD has been doing great since Lisa Su took over as CEO in 2014 and was behind several initiatives that have led to their growth. Their stock has gone, contrast to the Intel stock, has dropped 16% in the past 30 days. AMD in the past five years has grown 561%, which is pretty unprecedented in terms of hardware growth. And Intel has just given up on a lot of areas of the business. When the smartphones first debuted, a lot of manufacturers are debating if they should go into the processing power and invest in making processors for the smartphones. And it was one of those risky situations where a lot of people didn't know if it was going to take off as a business trend or consumer trend. It was such an unusual situation where the telecom carriers like AT&T, Verizon, and T-Mobile actually gave away free smartphones. So they were bleeding money and losing money to try to help transition the market from individuals being comfortable with the traditional payment of paying per text and per minute and instead paying for data and a lot of folks once they started to use their smartphones and they're getting their email and facebook and all the apps on their phone they found so much value they had no problem paying for that data and so it changed the whole market seemingly overnight though it took several years to do so intel decided not to do that one of the big processors in that market is snapdragon and another area of the business Intel also kind of gave up on video game processors with the Xbox and PlayStation platforms having long historical use of using AMD processors, which is another big market since millions of video game consoles are sold every year. And another, even third largest area of the market that Intel dropped the ball is the data center. And the data center is basically the magic behind the closet door that empowers all businesses and predominantly throughout the years, even when I used to work at Hewlett Packard Enterprise, when we were selling servers, a lot of them were Intel based. In fact, I believe it was the Gen 8 or the Gen 9 of the DL380, which historically was one of the most popular servers ever sold. It was only Intel. There wasn't even an option for AMD. And as a fun little light pack, the DL385, 5 means it's an AMD. Subsequently, it was either Gen 9 or Gen 10, they reignited that relationship. And AMD came in at a lower price point, providing more performance. So a lot of IT leaders are noticing that, and they're telling their team to build out solutions based on an AMD processor. So servers and the processors and businesses, I mean, business to business is one of the largest industry, industry segments out there. It's not just business to consumer. 
So a lot of these businesses are putting AMD processors in their servers that they're buying into their data centers. And that's another big area of the market that AMD is continuing to grow and Intel is struggling and they're going lower and lower. Now, Intel has been around quite a lot, some time. And one of their longest relationships was also with Apple. Tim Cook famously said a few years back that they're, de they're determined for their, uh, to maintain and grow the relationship with Intel for years to come because for all historical purposes, they've been using Intel processors for their laptops and their desktops for years and years and years. And then Apple decided to make their own processors, which is pretty revolutionary from a PC perspective or personal computing perspective. And those processors, because Apple's de designing the software and the hardware behind that, they're able to make the whole machine much more efficient. So it uses less energy and it's better performance. So it's a win-win. So Apple is now on their M2 chip series with the Pro and Max being, I believe, being the two options to choose from. And Intel, that was one of their, that was a pretty big client and they just lost it. I believe they have one, they, the highest end Apple might be Intel still, but I mean, the writing is on the wall for them to be completely Apple because it gives Apple more control of their ecosystem. And again, they could tweak it to their preferences. And Intel has been along. They're one of the largest semiconductor companies on the planet. They'll turn it around, most likely, but it'll be interesting to see what steps they need to take to regain that investment from their partners and try to increase their sales and turn this trend around. Now, going on to other interesting businesses, Netflix says they're going to drop their price for the aims of expanding into 100 countries. And 100, 100 of these markets, they're going to cut the price, but not North America. So don't get too excited if you're watching the United States. Some of these countries, to name a few that they plan on decreasing price, are Malaysia, Indonesia, Thailand, the Philippines, Venezuela, Nicaragua, Ecuador, Kenya, Iran, Croatia, Bosnia, Yugoslavia, Serbia, Albania, North Macedonia, Slovakia, Yemen, Jordan, Libya, Slovenia, and Bulgaria, to name a few. And some of the price cuts are so drastic, it's 50%, such as in Venezuela. So now the monthly fee is only $3.99 a month, which is really $4. Don't be fooled by that marketing ploy. So they're going to be driving the price dramatically, I suspect partially to accommodate the markets that might have less money to spend on non-essential things such as entertainment. And I was even more surprised when the article, there's something they're noting that Netflix gained 7.7 million subscribers Q4, and that was more than the analysts expected on Wall Street that they were projecting about 4.5 million. So Netflix is growing exponentially, even with the competition, I'm pretty surprised on that. And if they're decrease, decreasing the price across all those markets, I don't see any reason why it shouldn't be increasing their overall subscriber count. So it'll be interesting. It's of course, shame we don't get that price cut, but the United States is also one of the most wealthiest countries and successful countries on the planet. So not too surprised. Now, one of the, art, one of the largest and most historical companies, Ericsson, said they, they were going to cut 8,500 jobs, which as soon as I hear that is, every time I hear about these layoffs, I always wonder, well, what does that mean as a percentage to the business? Because that might sound like a big number, but if they employ millions and millions of people, it is unfortunate that anyone will lose a job, but it might not have a significant impact on the business. So just looking at their LinkedIn presence alone, so people who have an active LinkedIn profile linked to Ericsson comes in at 112,903 employees. So roughly correlated, that means 7.5% of their employees are being laid off, and they also plan to cut costs by 9 billion crowns. And that's not a typo or it's not a mispronunciation. That's actually the local currency. They're headquartered in Stockholm, Sweden, founded in 1876. 
So translated to U.S. dollars, it's about $859 million. One of their largest, they are one of the largest companies many people have never heard about because they're more of a business-to-business type of sales model. So they're not selling directly to consumers, with the exception of a few years back when they had that partnership with Sony for their flip phones. And I think maybe one or two smartphones, but they're one of the largest companies behind the 5G rollout in the United States and above many other countries. And they had a big advantage over Huawei with a Chinese-based tech company because Huawei is doing a lot of 5G rollouts. But due to the security concerns, a lot of countries are banning that particular manufacturer. So Ericsson had been doing great and they're doing all these rollouts. But it's also one of the reasons that they're downsizing is downsizing is the decrease in the frequency of the sale of that 5G equipment. So it'll be interesting to see how they continue to pivot into different segments of the market and different products. But it's unfortunate to see some job cuts in that area. Going on to the culture, and we actually announced this or we reported this last week or a couple days ago. I'm excited to say there's some good news. So Roald Don Publisher is now going to offer the original versions of his book. So UK publisher Puffin announced that they're going to release the classics in their complete and original form as originally written by the author Ronald Don. And this is an interesting story because last week we noted that the publisher is going to censor words like fat and female in order to be more inclusive. And there's such a visceral pushback for people who want the original as written by the author stories that... I'm surprised and pleasant to hear that they're going to offer the original stories as written by the author, which is great because I don't think censorship, especially with materials where the author's not alive and they can't give their input on, it's best to keep to the original vision that he made back when he wrote those books. Now, one of the most fascinating things in life is the chess game of politics. It's mainly about how you look and then a little bit about your actions. And this is something where it's not said often, but Trump made a wise move on the chessboard and a wise political decision. I haven't, I don't think I've, it's been a long time since he did that. Now, specifically, Trump visited the Ohio chemical spill over in East Palestine, Ohio, after the train derailment called the chem, caused the chemical spill. At the same time, Biden visits the Ukraine. This has to be one of the Trump's most brilliant political decisions he's ever done. A little summary of the incident. There's a train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. Big chemical spills, a lot of carcinogens in the air. And the FEMA and the federal government is saying, we're not going to help. And now that we have some more on-ground reporters, we're hearing even more recently that there are still notes of toxic, toxic fumes in the air. And they get smells pretty bad. And they also have chemical sheens still visible in the water. So just looking, you can see the spills. Now, the EPA is still telling people that the air and water supplies are safe, which is reminiscent to a lot of people comparing it to 9-11 after the towers fell. You had all those chemicals in the air and hazardous carcinogens. The EPA also said it was safe. And to this day, you'll see commercials with lawyers saying, hey, were you affected by this? Because it turns out it was not safe. The EPA was wrong in that instance, and many people died. So there's a lot of correlation to this incident. Now, Trump went to East Palestine the same time that Biden went to visit Ukraine, which has received hundreds of, I believe they're up to $100 billion in benefits, both fiscal in terms of us giving them cash, but also military hardware and aid. And the only federal response to the Ohio incident thus far was a, vis was a visit from Beat Buttigieg 20 days after. And still no federal aid. And FEMA said 
the incident doesn't qualify for assistance. And Trump more brilliant, brilliantly he actually bought McDonald's for the first for the first responders as well as the residents in the area. I don't know if he's sponsored by McDonald's, but he eats a lot of it and he it's one of his favorite things, strangely enough. Now, at the same time, you have Biden across the globe helping another country out. And you don't see any federal assistance right now helping these citizens who has had a horrible chemical incident. In terms of political strategy, I don't know who's on Biden's team right now, but that was a terrible political decision. I'm not saying we shouldn't be helping Ukraine or there's a time and place, but it's one of those things where it didn't make him look good. And Trump did something that made himself look good, which a lot of people are still shocked about. But doing that really helped out the citizens, and it, it drives his political point home that he's campaigning on of being the president for middle America and your average, your average person. So in terms of political move, is a great move on the chessboard. And it is nice to see there's some assistance being given on a local level, and he did you know give him some McDonald's and such. I hope there's more volunteers, and I hope I've, obviously everyone gets safe and they get better soon. But it would be really nice if Republicans and Democrats actually work together on this issue to get it resolved. Granted, this is just another reason not to rely on the federal government and to bolster your support for just helping each other out. But it is, it is disgusting to see just lack of support. Because these states are paying federal taxes, you'd think they get more benefits. But this saying, I mean, the federal government continues to say this doesn't, they just don't qualify. Even though it's one of the biggest chemical spills in the area and it's affecting countless number of people. So again, I really hope everyone gets well. There's a lot of carcinogens being released. And hopefully it gets resolved soon and we all come together to find a way to make everyone whole. Now, another political move, which is, again, now this is even rarer. I, I, you thought that was rare. Now... Ted Cruz, which, again, talking about political chess, he made one of the worst political, a little background, he, he's Senator Texas, and he took a plane trip to Cancun at the same time a Tex an ice storm hit Texas. So he left his state during one of the greatest natural, natural disaster incidents where, you know, thousands of people were without power, a lot of, like no electricity, no running water, pipes are breaking. And he was, he wasn't even in the country. In terms of a chessboard, that is one of the worst political moves you can make. And of course he said he was sorry and he, I, but the optics, and that's another fascinating thing about politics, the optics matter. You have to be I would. I wish more politicians were truly authentic, but you need to appear authentic. You need to have actions, of course. Actions speak louder than words. But to a lot of people, it's just the optics, and that optics made him look terrible. I don't. Whether you voted for him or against him, that was not a good look. It was a bad move on the chessboard. Now, this is interestingly enough. He's making a point that I think people on the left and right could both agree on. And his latest press release is he attacked a IRS proposal which was about reforming the TIP program for a lot of service industries. Now, specifically going into the details, the IRS program service, the Service Industry TIP Compliance Agreement, SITCA, gotta love government acronyms. Now, right now it's being proposed as a voluntary, I quote that because anything with the government, voluntary or temporary, 
I've never seen any reason to trust that. Similar to the federal income tax was at first was at first during World War, when World War II broke out, the federal income tax was voluntary. So if you felt a patriotic duty, you could donate. Then when the war kept going, they said, all right, this is going to be temporary just for the war. And all these years later, we're still paying a federal income tax. So again, that's why I use air quotes when they say voluntary. Now, diving a little bit in further in, the voluntary program between the IRS and employers in various service in industries would result in workers seeing their tax liability go up. The voluntary program for all employers in the service industry aside gaming would include businesses with at least one location. Now, right now, tips are applied at the point of sale when you add a percentage at the end of your checkout. For the employers who participate in Sitka, they would give the IRS an annual, annual report of the electronic tips and estimation of cash. Those employees collecting tips wouldn't have to do anything to report their income to the IRS because they would already know. So the IRS says literally one of the reasons they would do this is to quote unquote, decrease the tax burden. And a lot of people don't realize this. If you're in a service industry, many of those roles, you are paid below minimum wage because the tips equal a greater amount. So that's part of the contract that both parties agree upon when they go into employment together, such as being a waiter or waitress, or maybe such as even a valet at a restaurant. And this is pretty disgusting in terms of when we, now I was told, we were all told that when the U.S. hired 87,000 armed IRS agents that they're only to go after the rich. They weren't going to go after mom and pop shops or, you know, the middle class or what's remained of it as we're taxed into oblivion. And we were assured that we were told that no one who is making under $400,000 would pay a cent more in taxes. That's what we were told. And at the time, many people said it is false beyond all belief. And this is just further proof. People who are in those types of industries that rely on tips, they're not millionaires. They're not billionaires. They're people who are hustling. They're people who are working hard. I see no reason that technically they're supposed to report their tips. I don't even think they should need to do that. And this should be a political issue that unites people on the left and people on the right. Because you're going after people who aren't millionaires. They're not billionaires. Granted, I don't think they should have to pay any more taxes than anyone else either. But this is going after people who are working, you know, 60, maybe 80 hours a week. I mean, serving coffee at a restaurant or valeting cars 13 hours a day on the weekends. I don't see any reason why this program should be deployed. And a good political move for Ted Cruz, he should introduce a introduce legislation or a proposal to say this should never happen work with and another thing i think people appreciate team up with someone on the left or someone in the democrat party if you could show that it's a initiative that both people are coming together and they're really working together with i think that would further increase the validation and the authenticity of your statement it's not a partisan it's not a biased partisan thing it's not it's not only one side going after the issue if you come together, I think many times you look better as a politician and as a country. If we can all say, hey, we don't agree with this. There's no reason we think we should implement it. We have people on the left, people on the right, people on the left. Come together. We don't want to hurt these people in these service jobs. Let's give them a break. Let's not set up this initiative that would tax them into oblivion. 
especially during the economic downturn where everyone is hurting the most. People are trying to cut costs anywhere they can. I mean, a lot of people are decreasing the amount of times they eat out and how much they pay for entertainment. I mean, this is not a good time to increase taxes at all. That's why many economists, many people with economics degrees and more importantly, experience are saying one of the ways to boost the economy is decrease regulation, decrease taxes. So businesses have more incentive to invest, grow the business, and people have more money in their pocket. And in a service-driven economy, that's great because people spend the money. And this this almost almost this almost deserves to be put in the business blunders of the section, but it is politics. So for once, Ted Cruz had a good point. He brought it to the light. Now that he's brought it to the light, work with someone, work with a couple of people on the left. Again, come together, see if we can knock that down to the curb. Now, going to the business blunder of the day, a air fire by the name of Kasari recalls more than 2 million units. This is due to a possible fire risk, and the company has set up a special website for the users so they can properly return the items. This is coming from a U.S. Consumer Safety Product, or sorry, U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission that noted they received 205 incidents and reports of units catching fire, melting, and overheating, with 23 reports of property damage. Given the situation, I would be fair to say I would guess that there'd be more than 205 incidents since many people, when a product is broken or it breaks, you simply throw it away. You're not, depending on the cost of the product and your time, how much that is worth, they're not going to spend time calling in to report it. So you just toss it out. But yeah, 2 million units. I'm not sure the company's yearly revenue, but that a lot of these recalls are enough to bankrupt the company, which is why a lot of industries such as the automotive are so risky. But it is good that they did the right thing. They issued the recall, but dang, 2 million air fryers down the drain. That's, I don't know if it was based on a certain design or if they cut costs, tried a component that caused it, but 2 million unit recalls, that's, that's gotta be the business blunder of the day. Now, thank you so much for tuning in today. If you want to see more content like this, don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your co-workers, heck, tell your enemies, just tell anyone. Hope you all stay safe and fight the good fight.